bring along your dice, and remember, always blame the bard. This is Table Quests. Hello, uh, my name is Jeremy Tyberg, and I'll be the DM for Table Quests. It's uh, yet another D&D podcast. Yay. Woo. Um, there was much rejoicing. Exactly. Um, I will in, uh, introduce... Why do we need another D&D podcast? I don't know. I mean, we figure we might as well record it. Because, because we know you want another D&D podcast. Exactly. You probably already listened to all of Critical Role and the Adventure Zone. You yes. need something new. Yes. Honestly, we just Sharing. wanted to listen to ourselves do a D&D game. Yeah, well, honestly, honestly, yes. Yes, that'd be Very great. true. Um, I'll in- introduce... Uh, well, the other players will introduce themselves as we go through the various like character introductions. Um... Uh, I, one of the things I wanted to bring up that I think was great is uh, we call ourselves Table Quests, and uh, we're already lying, because uh, Nate's not playing at, at a table. He's I'm playing, playing at a window box. Yes. Uh, I mean, tisk, is tisk, a desk tisk. a table? Is that classified as a table? No. Alright, so we're gonna start with, uh, is, it's pronounced Yakeg, right? Yes. Okay. I'm, Yakeg. I'm, I will probably mispronounce that. Uh, I will mispronounce pretty much everyone's name. Uh, so that's going to be good. How can you mispronounce my name? It's yeah, literally four letters. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, oh, Okay. But still, <laughs> I will find a way. Anyways. <laughs> okay. So, uh, Yakeg. Light airy notes echo off the walls of the inner chamber. We see intricate pieces of artwork... Uh, large tapestries and statues along the halls and in various chambers. Yakeg, good work. Uh, Your flute is delightful. Soon, I feel you'll be able to journey on your own. You're a fast learner, my boy. Uh, Yakeg, you see your master before you. Uh, The charismatic half-elf who has been your mentor smiles, closes his eyes, and is swaying his head in time with the music that you produce. Uh, Just then, a servant approaches... Uh, the two of you, and says, I, uh, have a message for Yakeg. Uh, that would be me. Very well. So, yeah, uh, Yakeg, you stop playing. Uh, the servant, a short man with tawny skin and dark brown hair, uh, hands you the letter he was holding. Um, you pause for a moment. Uh, as the man in front of you seems to have an emptiness about him, uh, you can't quite put a talent on it, but something seems off. Uh, he bows, and you open the letter. Inside, you read, Brother, I hope this letter reaches you well. However, I will cease with the formalities. I need you here. I can't give out any information about my whereabouts because I know that they, that's in quotation marks, are most likely on to me. I've, I found something. Something terrible, but I, I can't do this alone. I know that traveling this far north is quite a journey for you, but I urge you. I'm in danger. The knowledge I carry is one that puts me at risk, but with your help, 
with uh, your bardic expertise, I know we can spread this knowledge far and wide. It's something everyone needs to hear. It needs to be done. I'm not sure what the exact extent of the danger is quite yet, but I know it, it is expansive. Um, I just, I don't know where this danger ends. Please. I know I've written you before, uh, beseeching your help, but things were different. The time to act is now. I've hidden a message in this letter. Let the sun's light show you the way. Yaki, how do paper. you respond? I pulled up the paper, and I put it in my pocket, and I'm like, I, I need to go, Master. I need to go right now. I'm sorry. And I start moving. Okay. Uh... Where are you going? Oh, I'm gonna go find Isaiah. Okay. Um, has he left yet? Uh, no, he's still standing there. Um, I say to him, where did you get this letter? I received it from a traveler. Yes, but, but, but from? It was a strange man from a coastal town. Again, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, Master, but... I failed him once. I'm not doing it again. I need to go. Okay, I, I'll, I'll be back. And then I head out. So the main thing is, uh, I, I, I should give some context here. Um, your, your master will fight back on you at this, because this is the Sultan's Grand Feast. Uh, you see, uh, the Grand Feast is about two ten days away. Uh, for those of you that don't know, I'm just going to put it aside. Um, a 10-day is basically a amount of time similar to our week, except it's 10 days. So they, they group their weeks in 10 days in the Forgotten Realms. It's weird, but anyway. Wait, 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 hang on. Question. Yes. This happened, like, seven years ago, if yes. I'm guessing correctly, from context clues. Yes. Good, good, good. Okay. Just yes. thought that might be interesting to note for the audience. This is yes, a sorry. This, this is, is seven, seven years, years prior the to the events of this campaign. Yes. Your master tells you that this is... You've got to be kidding me. The, the grand feast is just two ten He's days away. We need to prepare. He's the last of my kin. I, 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 I can't leave him. You, you have a heated argument with your master, or not master, got a, a, a teacher? Teacher, sure. Um, whatever the appropriate Mental. name. I guess it's mm. technically master. It's a master-apprentice situation. Anyways. Um, and you decide to pack your things and go. I still have to say, you still have no idea where you're going. You, you have a general location, but uh, that doesn't seem like your brother. Your brother would uh, definitely give you guidance and specifically tell you where he is, um, especially if he needed your help. He just needed to do it in a way that was subtle and was probably wouldn't alert uh, any, you know, there's, there is a clue. I can read the note for you again if you would like. All right. So, um, maybe not the whole thing. Just the yeah. just the clue part. <laughs> the important part. <laughs> just the clue. Yeah. Maybe. Just read the clue. I'll 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 read the. I end. think everyone but Jake caught it. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. I mean, 
if if you're puzzled and uh, Zai is still there, he could probably help out. <laughs> especially if he figured it out. Yeah, especially if he figured it out. Especially I, if he I already followed through on the clue. Well, did you open it before you gave it to him? How else were you supposed to know? Or are you just stand there listening? Maybe. Maybe <laughs> not. <laughs> so... The knowledge I, I carry with me is one that puts me at risk, but with your help I can spread this knowledge far and wide. It needs to be done. I'm not sure what the extent of the danger is. Uh, blah, blah, blah. It's expansive. Uh, I've written you before, beseeching your help, but things were different. The time to act is now. I've hidden a message in this letter. Let the sun's light show you the way. <coughs> the sun's light. I go over to Isaiah. Is the sun's light mean anything to you? Uh, the sun is out. Great. <laughs> Could I make a roll? <laughs> yes. I, I, you know what? what? Go ahead. In what context are you <gasps> asking me this? Make a roll. <laughs> Good puzzle, DM. You've really got a oh puzzle. Oh my goodness. <laughs> You roll. really have him puzzled. You know, he's, he's really still, thinking on this he, one. Okay, he Good still grief. hasn't taken as long as the Ouroboros puzzle. Oh. Of <laughs> all right, all right, we'll give him ten more minutes. Oh, dear. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay, maybe this will be one of the longer stories. Yeah, Not in maybe. 20. <laughs> what? Uh, dirty 20. Uh, Yakeg, you realize that as you hold the letter up, you can see tracings uh, with the sun as the sun passes through the paper. It's literally—it's it, literally a map that it, you can only see when you hold the letter up to sunlight. It's like a watermark. Yeah. Does, does the map show a uh, specific place to go? Yes, the map shows you exactly where you need to go. It's got an X on it. Yeah, Perfect. basically. <laughs> Long dotted line. Or dashed line, excuse me. Yes. All right. So I'm going so to I'll... assume you... you and it's circled to... several times. Yes. And there's a note that, that there's like some arrows. <laughs> and, on, and on... Excuse and, me. And because on, your brother knows you. And written on it, it says, when you see me, tell me how long it took to for you to solve this puzzle. <laughs> Anyway, no, no, no. That's, that's well, Isaiah is still waiting there, guys, and he's kind of like, <clears throat> you know, messenger, messenger fee? Yeah, finder's fee, man. I suppose. Uh, how long do you uh, travel? You're asking for a tip. Of he delivered a message. I deliver a message. He promised money. I will hand Isaiah a good piece. <laughs> okay. Um, Quite generous of you. Yeah, thank you. Okay, so I assume you uh, pack up and decide to head off. That would be correct. Okay. Um, your journey wasn't hard per se, but it took you a long time. Um, I it's quite far to the north from at least where you were where you were. Uh, it took you about a month to reach where your brother had designated on the map. Yeah, that he had given you. Um, the sun shines off your wings as the countryside passes underneath you. A shadow appears over you, and this gives you pause. At first you believe it's just a cr cloud, but then you see the real culprit. 
It's smoke. Ahead of you, you see smoke rising up from the ground below. The sun glints as a dark red hue, uh... The sun glints a dark red hue through the black cloud. You bl break through to the other side and see a field of black glass in front of you. You circle down, landing lightly on your feet, being careful not to touch the surface. Uh, the smell of burned bodies seems to slam into you, taking the wind out of your lungs. Uh, however, you quickly recover. <coughs> Sweet Grander's glove. Yes. What uh, is this? What happened here? Your stomach sinks as you see a burnt-up fragment of a robe. It's your brother's. No! Intricately detailed Ricky! With a, I fly down. In, intricately detailed with a green hawk emblazed on the back. However... All that's left is the hawk's left wing, but you can you know for sure inside that cloak, you see the charred body of your brother. No. I guess I was. I guess I took too long on that map after all. I'm like standing there for a good spell. Yeah. I'd imagine. Uh, you look out into the expanse in front of you, and this wasn't just a simple fire. This, like, it looks like a whole village was just immediately turned to just ash. Ooh, and not only that, the fire got so hot, it turned the floor into black glass. Um... For those wondering, uh, 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 for those of you wondering, because I know you are, no, this isn't the Adventure Zone tie-in. This isn't. This isn't. I was wondering. In. Yeah. Um, I they, they will be separate universes. <laughs> okay. And I'm I'm not gonna bring Taz into this. What happened here? You spend. You're you're not gonna find that much, uh, in this town um i mean you find the charred remains of your brother and his cloak but not much else um so you spend the next month traveling back to the sultan's palace uh it's a long month um i'd imagine your character have uh, is struggling with thoughts of maybe if i'd come sooner i might have been able to save him um, however, your mind also turns to what you may face when you come back. Uh, your master is definitely, uh, most displeased at you, to put it lightly. And your budding romance with the, the princess of the sultan is probably nipped in the bud. Haha, <laughs> puns. I'm moving on. Wait, just real quick. Yes. How long did it take him to travel to and from? Uh, it's about a month a month there and a month back. Oh, goodness. Okay. Yeah. So, needless to say, you missed the Great Feast. Um, By about 40 days. Yes. If my math is good. Yeah. Um, actually, I'm still going in, like, my calendar terms, so it probably isn't a full two months. It's probably closer to, like, closer to 30 days travel up and back. Um... But anyways, y you missed it by a lot. Um, so you come back and 
the palace seems filled with guards. As you try to enter, you're accosted by two of them. And they uh, interrogate you. They ask you quite a few questions. What are you doing here? I went, they, they back to, I went to return to my master. His name is... Uh, his name's Farron uh, Flosham. He, he left a while ago. What? Yeah. What uh, happened here? I, I was, I've been gone for two months. I apologize. I'm surprised you don't know. You see, the Sultan was murdered. What? Murdered? Yeah. At, at the Great Feast. It was that uh, one of his servants... Gosh, what's his name? Messiah. Uh, but he got away. Messiah. He don't know where he is. And so, without, with your master gone, um, chances are you're probably not getting that apprenticeship back. You definitely don't have a place at the court left now that the uh, the palace is in kind of in political turmoil. I think the only thing you can do is to do as your master suggested you, or at least said you might be ready for. Go out and make a Make a living on your own and see, just maybe, if you can find out just what it is your brother was trying to warn you about. I gotta find out who did this. Who killed and, Ricky. And with that, uh, Yakeg's first scene is done. Um, Yakeg is going to be played by, is being played by, not is going to be played is played by uh, Jacob Hoffman. Uh, Jacob, go ahead and you can introduce yourself and introduce your character. Hello. As he stated, I am Jacob Hoffman, and I am playing an Arakakra bard named Yakeg. Any last name? Nope, just Yakeg. Nope, <laughs> just Yakeg. It's like Beyonce is. or Wong. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hello, one and all. Name's Hiakeg. I'm the bar that makes sure this sorry lot looks good and stays alive doing it. When I was but a hashling, I was separated by my Arakaka family and raised by an older human couple named Bor and Alethra Marisk. Born with a natural singing voice, encouraged by my parents, and hearing the tales of heroic bards of the past, you could say there were several factors that led me to pursue the calling of bardhood. Fortunately, favor found us when we persuaded a traveling half-elf bard by the name of Theron Flusham, who took me under his wing to be his apprentice. About a year into my apprenticeship, apprenticeship though, I ran across, I ran across another Arakakra named Ricky. Turns out, not only was he my brother, but the last of my direct family alive. After that, my mentor uh, gained employment 
uh, as the court barred to the Sultan Daman from the lineage of Nassar. Things were nice in those days, but, well, nice things don't usually last forever. Master Flotion and I had a falling out, you could say, and, well, things didn't end well between myself and the Sultan's court either. Since then, I tend to be going solo, traveling down the town, bring, to bring a smile to the faces of the common folk. Kef, your turn. That's me. Let's, uh, let's dive in, then. Um, all right. Kef, all right. the crisp mountain air blows a light dusting of snow across the ground, colliding with gray-colored garb that is wrapped around a tall, lean figure. He casts his gaze over the mount- uh, over the cliff top in front of him, where a large white expanse stretches out in front of him. Keth, your mind takes you back to events from the previous year. You see yourself bruised and bloodied, hobbling away from your home village. Behind you, you see the, the people you lived with and grew up with jeering at you, saying things like, Come back when you aren't hog slop and so weak as a dealing. You looked back for a moment, then went back to looking at the ground as you limped away. You remember fear and confusion. You didn't have anywhere to go. You clench your fists as the pain comes back to you. The wind picks up and whips at your face. But then you think back to a different time. You think back to some of the training that you've had and some of the obstacles that you've at least encountered. At a different time. You shake your hands as you try to fight off the growing cold. Your boots crunch into the snow, the spurs on your boots making it slightly more difficult to walk in the snow and ice. Unlike those to ride horses, these were specifically designed for the task at hand. They housed large metal spikes that were hooked at the end. They almost look like climbing gear. Your mind drifts a little. This is where they said it would be, you think. You crest a hill, and in sight is a rocky outcropping. Suddenly, you feel vibrations in the snow. You grab your only possession with you, a lasso made from braided rope. You stand on the edge of the rock outcropping and wait. The rumbling becomes more and more pronounced until bursting from the surface of the snow what you were looking for. With a screech, a large blue creature bursts from the snow. Towering about ten feet taller than where you were standing on the outcropping, its back is lined with spikes that were red like burning embers. Its head has frills that expand outwards, almost in the shape of an inverted ship's sail. This is your chance. You uh, throw your lasso around the remoras, and uh, essentially you use this to uh, pull yourself in and jump on top of the creature. Uh, Normally you'd want to get both spikes in, however you only get one spur in. Um, you make it, uh, the, the goal is to make it at least 100 feet. If you make it 100 feet, you get the title Master of Dragons. You don't make it 100 feet. Um, I don't. You, you make it about 30, which is decent, but, uh, you fall and you hit the side of the Remoraz and suffer, um, the, the thing is the Remoraz ha- is essentially heated which is why you use the spikes and climbing gear in order to um, basically keep yourself on top of it, but not like actually in contact with it. So as you fall and land on the side, you get 
seared uh, off of the it's it's an insect like creature so you get seared off of the, seared on the plating that's su essentially superheated um the good news is you fall into the snow <laughs> which Yay. immediately cools down the burns um just a little shock but you'll be fine uh as you you fall into the snow and the creature passes you um you're hurt but your master comes and helps you up and helps you away um from the creature you don't really have any difficulty getting away it's just you're injured from the burns and uh you're pretty beat up because riding on that thing is no easy task um going back to the present um the wind has a bite to it as you emerge from your thoughts you look up and see the sun cut swaths of orange and red bands on the mountainside as it begins to set over the horizon you take a deep breath, and you hear footsteps walking up the path to where you are standing. A man with short, cropped, salt-and-pepper hair and crystal blue eyes gives you a warm smile. Your memories still haunt you? He lays a hand on your shoulder and looks up to you. Occasionally. Well, my pupil, the past is a thread of choices that can bring you growth or bring you great pain. He looks towards the setting sun, then turns back to you. He pats your shoulder twice, then withdrawing his hand, he takes a step back, bends to scoop down some snow from the ground. He lifts his hand upwards and then lets the snow pass through his fingers. A single snowflake is like a moment in time. One of them does not withstand the heat of the sun for long. It, may, it took many to turn this expanse into the glacier that you see before you. Much like these snowflakes, single moments on their own do not determine what shapes your what shape your life becomes every moment you have you can use it to shape just how you want your life to be until your life is as serene as a soft snowfall and the crunch beneath your boots cheer up son you've your hard work has nearly paid off you don't feel his influence as much as before correct that is true he gives you another warm smile and then turns to walk back. Just then, you see a young man looking more your age, and your master says to him, Ah, Ranlin, what is it? Uh, the man bows and says, Master, there's an injured guest that passed out at the foot of our mountain, and he said he was looking for one of half-orc blood. Uh, I can only assume he means apprentice cat. What are, what's your character thinking at this moment? How did anyone get out here? It's very remote. You yes. have to be specific. Oh, they were looking for me. They were specifically um, looking who? for you. Who? Who? Well, the only people that would know me is my old clanmates, which would be obvious. They're all orcs and half-orcs. Or some of the people that I ran into in the... In the... In the um. All right. So... I'm, I'm mildly curious. Yes. Um, they, the master turn, looks at you about just as puzzled as you are, and then turns back to, uh, um, Ramlin and says, all right, we must hurry. He says he has an urgent message. Or, sorry, Ramlin says, we must hurry. He says he has an urgent message, and I'm afraid he won't last long. 
Uh, the three of you rush back to the monastery. Pillars standing like soldiers in the snow support a grand entranceway. Under the outcropping are individuals sitting around the fire, telling stories and laughing. Your party walks past them to the large looming doors at the other end of the entrance. Um, on, on the pillars, you once again admire the design and detailed carvings on these pillars. The immense size of the citadel is not lost on you, even though you have been living here for almost a year now. A large, pointed structure reaches out from the middle of the uh, citadel, almost as if reaching for the heavens. Uh, torches line the walls and offering what heat they can as you pass down numerous hallways. You walk past other monks of varying rank. All of them bow to, uh, not all of them, but some of them bow to your master as you pass by. Um, after a few more turns, you finally make it to the infirmary. There you see three humans. Uh, one has his leg suspended in a contraption to keep the weight off of it. Uh, you know his name is Lynch. Uh, he recently tried to ride the Remoraz, much like you have before, and it didn't go all that well. However, he still has his life. Um, despite all this, the being that draws your attention is an elf. He's wrapped in bandages around his abdomen. Uh, the master, your master starts, uh, inhales the attention of the physician and begins discussing with him. Um, you don't really hear much except for at the tail end there you hear, and there's nothing more you can do for him? Um... The ma he, like I said, he mentions this after a few moments of quieted discussion. Uh, he says, very well, and then he turns back to you. Much like Renlin told us, it seems this man has sustained injuries that will soon bring about his end. However, it seems that he was, or rather, it seems he was partially crushed from a rock slide on the path up the mountain. Regardless, if he has a message for you, you should see to it uh, what he has to say. I'm curious as to why one would seek you specifically, but, however, it's yours. I go over to the elf. I assume he's awake. Yes. Uh, yeah. He is awake. He looks at, up at you um, and coughs. Uh, his body is clearly racked with pain. <laughs> looking for that's me I can't say that I know you though I I know you've <laughs> you've you've been chosen I don't have much time left but I'm a seeker you've been ailing from the influence of the gods correct one might say that I'm... I'm from a city. The city... It's a city where the influence of magic, curses, spells, even the influence of the gods cannot touch. We send seekers out like me to find individuals like you. If you want to escape his influence, he sputters again, head towards Redlark. It's a village in the northern sword coast. There's a map with my things. You're free to take it. His head starts drooping, and he uh, seems like he's losing a grip on his life. But he, again, picks it up. He, a clarity comes back to him, and 
he looks at you and says, This could be your chance to live free again. Or to live free. And with that, the life slips from his eyes and he passes away. Um, you walk over to his pack and find the map that he had discussed. You open it up and the uh, note where Redlark is. It would be a long journey, that's for sure. Um, however, just then, the ground shakes under you. With that, you wake up. You remember screams, people yelling. You remember running down the hallways for a way out. The earthquake. You remember the earthquake. It was like nothing you had ever, ever felt or even heard of before. Uh, it seemed like the mountain itself was trying to shake you off like a dog shaking off fleas. The citadel with all the artwork, the historic pieces, crumbling like flower, like a flower under a boot. You remember pressure. You didn't make it to the door, but one of the outside walls crumbled and you, were, you managed to pass through a hole in the wall. However, you didn't fully make it out. You were pinned, but someone, someone helped you. And then you remember someone, someone was there. You didn't see their face, but you do remember something. You remember a white cloak, like pure snow. Luckily, it seems like you don't have, you didn't suffer any major injuries. You feel a throbbing center, like centered on the back of your head. Uh, so clearly you were knocked out in some capacity, but it seems like you'll be okay. Your brethren, at least most of them, did not fare as well as you. There are still some survivors. Uh, you managed to stumble back up towards the citadel, or where the citadel once was. Um, you see a, f a few fellow monks picking, uh, picking themselves up from the rubble. Um, at the scene, what do you do? Do I see my master anywhere? Is he among the survivors? You do not see him. Is it just a pile of rocks? It's just completely gone? Yes. Or is it's gone, gone? Yes. I can't even dig through any rubble? You can, if you want to. Okay, well, no, I'm it's, dig it's through not some like rubble. completely gone. It is a pile of rubble. Well, I'll dig through the rubble. It takes you a few moments, but you hear a muffled voice. Uh, you end up digging your master out of some rubble. He's injured. Yay! He has a broken leg, and some other minor injuries, but he hid under a stone table that was housing artwork, and it prevented the worst. Um, the disaster took everything away from the monastery. A lot of the artwork and the historic pieces that were inside it are gone. Um, destroyed. Um, it seems like some of the tunnels, the expanses that were underneath the ground... Uh, some of them, some of them caved in. Some of them didn't. Um, so the people that were still down there, uh, as, as the day gets later and more people are able to start trying to dig people out, um, more of the monks 
underneath there that were in the tunnels are being saved. Um, and it's a concerted effort for everyone to try and dig out some of those tunnels, to, or most of those tunnels, to see if they can find anyone else that's still alive. Um, however, one of the things that at least the 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 monks there know is tragedy is just an opportunity for further understanding um, at this you have um, I would assume that you're uh, that Keth would stick around and try and help with at least some of the repair efforts um, but you'd be right um, after all that, you do essentially as much as you can. Repairs are well underway. It's not like it used to be, but um, after a number of months, things are things are looking up. Um, however, you still don't know who that cloaked figure was that you saw at the at least that you think you saw at the earthquake um, and you still have that uh, that map essentially this could be your chance the I'll question take is it. do you take it I, I do I take it <laughs> Then you set out for your journey, traveling towards Red Lark, and as the you get up early uh, on the day you decide to set out, you say uh, goodbye to your master. That will you'll meet again, and next time. Not next time. Next time you well, next time you see him, you'll make him even more proud than he already is of you. So the part of Kev is being played by myself, Josh Kitchen. My name is Keth the Scarless, but I don't go by that name anymore. Just Keth. I'm a half orc, although I never really thought of myself as one. Only the orc son of the clan chief, Gershnag. My mother being a human slave, Gersh Chief Gershnag captured her when ambushing some travelers. We were a nomadic tribe, orc tribe in Am. Unfortunately for me, I was the runt of my litter. My brothers, sisters, towered over me, always shoving me around and picking fights to prove their strength. Even though I had Grump's influence over me like all orcs, giving me bloodlust and craving battle, I was still rather small and weak in comparison with the others. I was never given the opportunity to prove myself. One thing you must understand about orcs is that they pride themselves in their strength and prowess in battle, receiving ceremonial scars signifying their exploits and victories. I was denied those scars, perpetually stuck in my siblings' shadows. Chief Gershnag eventually grew tired of me never being as good as the other orcs, so he gave me my first and only scars those of dishonor and exile. 
I desperately wanted to prove them all wrong, show them that I could be strong, but it was difficult enough being a lone half-orc in the grasslands. I wandered on, trying to eke out a meager existence for myself. Being half-human, I thought I might try to ignore Grump's whisperings and civilize myself by moving into one of the villages, but the villagers' looks of distrust and fear drove me away. After many weeks of malnourishment, I gave in to Grump's whisperings and decided to try and rob a small wagon traveling from village to village for food. Suffice it to say, I was unsuccessful and barely escaped with my life. As I was bruised and bloody on the side of the road, a man wearing cream robes tied with a red rope and carrying a walking stick came down the road. Seeing me, he stopped and knelt down next to me. I told him I had nothing of value left, but he replied he didn't care about worldly trinkets. He bandaged my wounds, told me his name was Timu Rantanen, a monk of the Order of the Yellow Rose, and that he was on a great pilgrimage. I told him of my past, my exile, Grump's whispers, my desire to prove my old clan wrong, that I am strong. Hearing my story, he told me of the suffering of St. Solar, the founder of his order, how he was called the twice martyred. He asked me to come back to the monastery with him and become a monk of St. Solar. I'm not really into the whole religion thing, but this man offered me training, and with training, I could become strong. I accepted his offer, and we began the month-long journey to the Monastery of the Yellow Rose, north in the Earthspur Mountains. The monastery itself is situated high in the mountains near a large glacier. Upon arriving, I took the vows of brotherhood and became a monk. Master Rantanen was assigned to teach me, and I trained my mind and body day and night. My master gave me his walking staff and trained me in its use. And to this day, I carry it as a reminder of my new family. Hello, everyone. Uh, this is the DM, Jeremy, here. And I just want to say thank you for listening to Table Quests. Uh, this is a project that I've started with um, a group of friends, and we're really excited to bring this to you. Um, the goal is to bring to you keep the episodes coming uh, once every other week. Uh, there, that's that's the goal. Um, if you want to talk to people about the um, about the show, we have a subreddit. Uh, that's r slash table quests. Um, feel free to drop by there and say hi, start talking about the show, that sort of thing with the community. Uh, there isn't much there at the moment because we're just starting up, but uh, yeah. Um, another thing is, if you want to uh, stay up to date on all the latest Table Quests news, um, you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, that's at Table Quests. Um, if we're going to miss a week or we're going to uh, do something special, um, I might try and get some community involvement in some way. Uh, not entirely sure, but uh, yeah, follow us at TableQuests. You can also use the hashtag um, TableQuests. That's uh, hashtag TableQuests in order to talk about the show um, and share the show with others. And we would greatly appreciate you sharing the show with others if you enjoy it um, because that helps us get... Uh, Get around.
And that's super important for just a podcast that's just starting out. Word of mouth is everything. So if you enjoy the show, uh, go ahead and uh, please share it with others. Um, anyways, that's it for me. And we can get back to the character introductions in this session zero. Once again, thanks for listening. jump into the next story. Isaiah. Um, we see a small cabin uh, beneath the deck of a ship, adorned with a single lantern hanging from a chain, swaying back and forth with the motion of the vessel. We see six individuals, one on one side of the table away from the door, and five on the cl side closest to the door. The man alone frowns. He brushes some dirt off of his wool overcoat and brushes his brown hair contained in a loose ponytail off of his shoulder. A burly man with tanned skin, uh, bald, and with a bandana over his head frowns. We could do so much more with this ship, Isaiah. The captain continues to run the same routes from the same ports. He does well enough, but with our crew, we could do so much better if he wasn't holding us back. Isaiah you know that in front of you stands Joran Sloan, the navigator of the ship. And he is enlisting your help with a basically with a mutiny. He's he is suggesting uh, that we overthrow the captain. That we take this vessel for ourselves. Make a tidy profit sailing up and down the coast. We can surely make a better profit than that lazy idiot. Sits in his cabin all day doing the same bloody things. He's lazy, that's what lazy. he is. He's not fit to be a captain. Mr. Sloan, I grow impatient. You keep repeating the same words over and over and over, and over again. Please leave me, and if I hear any more undertones of this insubordination. I will have you all cast into the brig. Bah. Fine. You made your choice. Uh, just then, there's a knock on the door. Uh, a short man, ma bleh, short man with jet black hair tied in back into a small ponytail peeks into the room. Uh, slow, Isaiah. Uh, we need to get back on deck. Uh, the wind has picked up. And then he smirks at Sloan and says, Another one of your meetings, Sloan? I would have figured your fan club wasn't accepting any more members. Anyway, chop-chop, back on deck, lazy bums. Uh, the deckhands that were with Sloan uh, scurry out of the room, and uh, Sloan shoots you a glance and then heads out the door. Uh, pushing back your friend, Chuang uh, Zi. Uh, Z gives you a once-over. You all right? Sloane seems to be a little irritable lately. He is... He is very... upset that he is not making enough money. But I give him his fair pay. I do not understand. Why is he not happy with that? Some people have big aspirations, and they're 
never, never content with what they're given. Anyways, I, uh, I need you on deck as well. I know it's not normally your thing, but there's a wind brewing, and I have a bad feeling about this. You know me. I'm always willing to climb into the rigging. If anything uh, needs fixing, I'm the most dexterous hand on this ship. <laughs> that you are. Uh, you walk out to the deck and see Sloane talking with the captain. Uh, Sloane raises his voice a little more. Captain, there's a storm brewing. We have to cut further from the coast. Staying the course would only put us dead in the middle of the storm. The captain looks Sloan dead in the eye. Sloan, going further out would increase our risk of getting caught by a current and thrust further away from the shore. Then we would really care to. Staying the course may put us through a little bit closer in into the where the storm's worse, but it's it's better than being thrown out further into the sea with little bearing and a long while to get back. Now, I won't be hearing any more of this. Give a hand to the crew. We need to prepare for the coming storm. We see the area wind Umarel, the sails snapping in the wind, ropes pulled taut. The captain yells, All hands on deck! As the sails snap and the deckhands struggle to hold onto the ropes, keeping the sails in place. Zay, one of the deckhands told me there's a small leak under the deck. I want you to go patch it up. We don't want to find our cargo flooded by the time this storm's over, the captain shouts, uh, speaking, trying to speak over the wind. Just then, there's a large ripping sound as one of the main sail, sails tears from where the rope is anchored. About a, it's about a foot, the tear's about a foot in length. Zaya, we need the sails functional to get out of this stupid storm. Can you climb up and patch up the sail? I, I can. The, uh, so you go and do so. Um, the storm is unlike any you have seen before. Uh, the wind assaults the ship with a fury. Uh, the wind, it howls in your ears, and you struggle to get the door closed behind you, um, as you're exiting from, like, the, exiting from below deck. But you climb the scale, climb the scale, climb the sail, um, and you begin, you begin patching it. Uh, that was very difficult in high wind. Yes. Uh, after Am I going to, to need to roll for this? No. I'm, okay. I'm not going to have you roll I just for failed. I, I, no, yeah. So after clinging to the mast and trying your best to patch up the sail, you hear someone yelling, we're only in this mess because of you. Your time is over. Uh, you turn to look at the source of the noise, and you see a flash of metal. Then, through the pouring rain, you see it. Sloane has a rapier clean through the captain. A look of shock and pain covers the captain's face, and then you can see the life slowly fade away from his eyes. You shout out, but it's too late. Uh, you scramble down the mast, rushing straight for Sloan, but you feel hands on you. The deck hands restraining you. You, ju you jerk your arms in attempt to break free, but to no avail. Sloan looks, glares at you, and yells, You had your chance, Tideborn! Then turns to the deck hands. Stuff him in a barrel and throw him overboard! Uh, the next few moments are a blur. You feel a sharp pain in the back of your head, and the world goes dark. You wake up, much like you did seven years ago. 
on a beach, the waves lazily crashing against the shore. Your head is in pain, and you have left with nothing except what you had on your person. The events coming come rushing back to you. The storm. The captain is dead. Sloane took the ship, and you can only guess what happened to Z. And with that, Isaiah's scene is done. The part of Isaiah Tideborn is played by Nicholas Gibbs. <laughs> that is not his real voice. That is not no. my real new voice. Okay, I'm playing a human rogue uh, by the name of Isaiah Tideborn. My name is Isaiah. I cannot tell you where I was born or who raised me because I myself do not know these things. I remember sea and desert, the bright city I now know as Kalimshan, and a long time begging for help from its callous, wealthy inhabitants. The first face I remember is that of my former mentor, who I knew as Mene. He took me under his protection and educated me in arithmetic, reading, writing, and secretly, the roguish arts. However, Mene betrayed me for his own gain, forcing me into exile from the land I had hoped to call home. I fled northwest across the desert and pledged myself to a merchant ship from the barbaric northlands called the Ariuen Omer. Here I made use of my sharp memory and skill for counting to earn a position as the ship's bosom. My first year aboard that ship made me long for the warm southern sands, but in time I came to love the fierce beauty of the north almost as much. But I lost it all to freak storms and a mutiny. Cast ashore in water deep with only a bundle of clothes and the mutineers' pay I had managed to swipe, I watched my ship sail away under the command of little better than pirates. It was then that I met a boisterous and penniless halfling who boasted that he knew for certain that someone was behind these unnatural storms. I paid his tab and other debts in exchange for his aid in finding this terrorist. I have spent very little time on shore since I took the captain's coin, and less still amidst society. But I remember every rogue's trick I was taught. If you're looking for a silver-tongued swashbuckler or a dashing daredevil, go get yourself a bard. I let my skills speak for me. And when I find the one responsible for these disasters, the dangerous whisper will be the last thing they hear. And with that, we are going to transition to the halfling that is going to be the catalyst that gets all of these people together. This is the story, the beginning, of Lucas Harpswell. Uh, we hear the scratching of a chair on a wooden floor. It adds to the cacophony of noises being produced by the patrons of the Guiding Light Tavern and by the waves crashing against the shore outside the lighthouse turned alehouse. In the center of the room, we see a halfling uh, dressed in my merchant clothes. Yes. Okay. We see black and black and navy. Okay. So we see a halfling dressed in merchant black and navy merchant clothes. He's standing on the table. Buckles a tricorn hat. Yes. Probably on the post of the chair. Yep. Uh, we see you standing on a table. You almost lose your balance, but then you regain it and continue regaling a story of heroism to uh, entertain those around you. So let's hear it. What are, what, are you, what, what are you regaling for us? I was stood atop a, a cart, and I tore, I tore the burlap sacks to, into strips with which I could make a rope. 
And then I, I, I used them to create a lasso, rope in hand. I, I jumped off the cart and in midair, I was able to ensnare the three hags attacking the village. They still sing songs about me in that town. Nice. Uh, so, yeah. Some um, story. So, once again, you kind of, uh, re like, almost fall off the table, but not quite. You regain your balance again. Uh, the men, the men surrounding the table laugh, slamming their mugs of ale on, uh, on the table you're standing on. Uh, but that doesn't pose as much of a threat to you now. Um, the story is finished, and the men return their focus to their ale. Um, a halfling, uh, well, you, slide down, uh, downs the last of your ale, and then hops off the table. Um... You go to walk away from the crowd to get some air, uh, and, uh, you open your coin purse, um, just to keep track, because, uh, you kind of, in the heat of the moment, promised to buy all these gentlemen their next round. Alright. Uh, but, uh, you look at it in dismay, but you can probably, uh, you can probably still afford it. Um... But uh, I approach the bar and make sure it's the cheap stuff. Yeah, just <laughs> uh, they the, the barkeep nods. Um, so you once again you're kind of walking toward more towards the back just to catch some air. Um, but uh, as you're walking back, you collide with someone and uh, both of you fall over. Ships at bay. Uh, he looks up, up at you, and you lock eyes with a muscular male goblin. Uh, one of the things is, the story that you were just telling, you, uh, at least in your telling, you tried to kind of smooth over it, but you were talking about a group of goblins. And, uh, he's oh. not very happy about yeah. that. There, there were a bunch of uh, goblins working for those hags, yeah. Yes. Uh, mm. So, he turns uh, turns out, like, looks at you and goes... I probably should have left out the bit where I based them all. Yeah, probably. Uh, Watch where you're going, you runt! Uh, he says, and then notices just who it is who ran into him. Oh, well, if it isn't the goblin slayer, Hobbswell... Did your family of snakes pay for that title, or is that one you earned by buying the men enough ale? Oh, now just a minute. I'll meet you outside in five minutes and tell you exactly who it was. Absolutely. Uh, he... T All right, I'll take you up on that offer. And he, uh, looks expectantly at you, like waiting for you to step outside. I my hand on my on my sword and I kind of write my hat and I'm just standing there waiting for him to uh, leave <laughs> I'll be along in a minute nah I <laughs> I think we're settling this now and with that uh, he takes us basically uh, tries to clock you for one um go ahead and roll a, a d20 for me if you have it out 
Um, joy. Is this a dexterity check? Sure. Of of some kind. Sure. sure. Uh, acrobatics, athletics. What am I doing here? Um, athletics is not dexterity based. Yeah. I I, I know. <laughs> I would assume acrobatics. You're just trying to dodge out of the oh, way okay. of his punch. That is a nine. Okay. Uh, he clocks you for one. Um, um, I probably go down. Yeah. Uh, Edwin. <laughs> oh. Uh, with that, the I mean, after one punch, the the goblin's just kind of looking at you, like shakes his head, and then uh, my hat walks away. You pick yourself up after recovering and slump down in a chair. Uh, a few tables over. Try, try to make make myself look small. Yes, which isn't quite what isn't that hard since you're a halfling. Oh. Um, precisely. A few tables over, you hear someone call. Uh, Harpswell, is it? You pick your head up and look towards uh, the direction of the. I start to get up. <laughs> you you pick your head up and well you you look towards the the voice and you see a human woman adorned in modest dress but with emerald eyes and long chestnut hair tied up in an intricate braid i sit back down (laughs) (laughs) uh she continues i couldn't help but overhear your deeds she says with a playful smile i have some well there are many stories of that kind well, I have some information that might seem fitting for a hero such as yourself. Uh, I assume... I? I can, sorry, continue. Or it was just that, like, asking. That was inquisitive. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, have you noticed the natural disasters that have been happening lately over the Sword Coast? Uh, it, it, nah. It's reasonable. Can't say that I have. Uh, Well, it's pretty much plaguing the Sword Coast at this point. It seems we get to hear of a new disaster every day. But I... Have some information. I must just have been too busy to notice. She laughs at that. Well, I have some information that may lead to what is causing them, and I feel that a hero such as yourself could maybe look into this. If it is a quest you are suggesting, you have found the the right halfling. Here's the thing. I'm not at liberty to give this information away for free. The smile slips from my face. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I... Of of course not. But I can... Uh, I can assure you... This is something big. Your name... If you figure out what's going on here, will be known not only throughout the Sword Coast, but perhaps the the entire world. There's a twinkle in my eye. <laughs> so, go go on. 
So, how about a hundred? I'm quite famous already, but I'm sure I could make make time for for a, a menial task such as this. Yes. Yeah, so. thinking a hundred gold for the information. Uh, my eyes go, uh, once again, uh, are just kind of bulging from their sockets. <laughs> uh, right! And I, um, kind of, uh, as secretly as possible, kind of glance into my coin purse. Yeah. I'm kind of like grouping them with my eyes. Uh, What what do you say to uh, 92? She considers it for a moment. Yeah, I I think that's fair. Um, so... My shoulders slump. Yeah. <laughs> you, um... So the, the the coin exchange hands, and she tells you about a white-cloaked figure that has been leaving the sites of these disasters. His cloak has a clasp with the single of a triangle with a, the, the symbol of a sun in the center. Uh, these disasters have been terrible tsunamis howling windstorms that collapse a whole village fire that leaves towns and cinders and earthquakes that collapse entire districts of cities uh the this cloaked figure whoever he may be may be the one who's behind these disasters or at least seems to know more information about it um you realize that this could be your big break this could be something that puts your name on the map. Uh, she finishes with, rumor has it, he's been, the the cloaked figure has been sighted in around the, the town of Redlark. Redlark. Is that, uh, it's a little bit rural, rural isn't it? Yeah, a little. It's, Quite strange that there, he, that this figure's out there, but uh, who knows? Uh, they're good inns in that red, red large, red large, red lark, red lark. Yes. Um, Are there good good inns, caverns? I uh, I don't know actually much of the area myself. I. Uh, I believe it's uh, along a. Just hope for the best. Yeah, I believe it's along a main uh, main road between two cities. So I would imagine there at least sees some traffic between all of the merchants and stuff traveling from the city to city. Um, but yes, uh, that's all the information I can give you. That's all the information I know. Yeah. You try and advance on this woman, but she's not interested. Um, 
<laughs> you kind of obviously feel like you might be getting swindled here, but you're... I... Well, then I might as well try to get something out of it. <laughs> but uh, I think you're... Your desire for glory kind of helps you put that that feeling out of the back of your mind. My wisdom's a minus one. I wasn't making any insight checks. Yeah. Um. Anyways, so as you you turn around and you start uh, walking away, and you say, "This is it." finding out the source of these natural disasters, no less. And just then, you feel a tap on your shoulder, and you turn to see a uh, a human tapping your shoulder, and it is Isaiah. Hey. Well met. Who might you be? I, I need your information, and you will give it to me. The, the information on the storms, you you know? What? That... That... The woman in the corner over there just... How on... Where, where are you eavesdropping? No. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. Um, well... Who's asking? Um, I'm just interested in finding this man with the, uh, the cloak, you say. He says he... he... Well, I didn't say. With that, the... The tavern keep... It's it's really late at night, early in the morning, etc. Uh, the... They're closing up shop. Um... And there's a call that everyone who still has open tabs needs to pay their tabs. Right. Tell you what. For for a little coin, uh, I will pass along this information to you. And, and I'll do you one better. Uh, I'm probably going to be investigating um, this particular happenstance uh, uh, myself. So if you care to tag along well that would be just fine that sounds uh, fair enough to me what uh, what is your price excellent and then I pull him towards the bar <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's run up a 15 gold tab a 15 gold piece tab yes but were you keeping the entire pier in drink people tend to uh, listen closer uh, having uh, imbibed a bit. That is not my experience when I am trying to run a crew. I imagine there are some unhappy captains Are you there. a captain? No. No, I will never be a captain unless I somehow come across a great fortune somewhere in this world. I don't recognize your accent. Where, where are you from? The Southlands. The deserts. Originally. Alright. Do you have a problem with the desert, man? For the life of me, I, I can't think of which desert that is. No, no, I don't, I don't mean any offense. 
I, I identify as Kalashite. Really? Yes. Well met. And, and did I, I don't, I don't believe I got your name. I never said. <gasps> Lucas Harpswell, at your service. Do you harp well? Well, I've never heard that one before. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you are, uh... Har- J.D. Mac. You've been harping on me quite a bit. <laughs> that, was a, that was my attempt at a joke. <laughs> like I said... Inside, I am laughing. Like Isaiah. I said. Isaiah Tidemore. Isaiah. Izzy. May I call you Izzy? No. <laughs> Excellent. You, you're Hi. I'm Nate Stallmecker, and I play Lucas Harpswell, the uh, halfling fighter. Well, Matt, you have the honor of addressing Lucas Harpswell, a knight in the making. I grew up in Flan, many leagues east of the Sword Coast. My parents are merchant folk, heads of the Harpswell Trading Company a once mighty trade empire on the Moon Sea. I remember the days when Flan was an upstanding merchant city, when the knights stood vigilant. Even from my early years, I desired to be a knight. As I grew older, I began to study economics, as was expected of me. Knighthood was a ridiculous ambition, I was told. The details are hazy in my memory, but there came a day when the knights could no longer protect us. Flan quickly became an enormous black market. Though I didn't know it at the time, We nearly lost everything. My parents, for their part, adapted. They were often absent and fought regularly. I pined for the days when the knights ruled. When I was 20, my father invited me to end my studies and join him at work. It was then that I discovered the family business had gone underground and had for years been engaged in illegal dealings. I was disgusted and my parents were, in turn, disgusted with me. I took my leave being sure to grab a healthy handful of the remaining family fortune on my way out the door. I bought a pony and struck out westward in search of an order of knights that would have me. I was turned away once, twice, three times, and so on. I was unconcerned. Surely the next settlement would recognize my talents and knight me. In the meantime, I enjoyed myself with women and drink, loudly proclaiming myself a hero. And so I find myself traversing the Sword Coast rapidly running out of money and options. Heroes like to find me in a tavern as you are a tree in the forest. I'm quick with a joke and can spin fantastic yarns about myself that have been known to entangle the ladies. I have an overdeveloped sense of of honor and won't take an insult lightly. This can be a problem as I'm not much for fighting or questing or much of anything knightly really, but I know I've got what it takes to be a hero. Why can't anyone else see it? We see a young man with jet black hair and a short beard. Sitting at a workbench with various medical instruments scattered around him, we see scalpels, saws, a stitching kit, among other things. The young man smiles. His eyes are closed. He breathes in a deep breath through his nose and out through his mouth. 
the death is here? It's palpable. So much energy. He picks up his dagger and begins to twirl the round in his hand. Um, he throws it up in the air and then catches it just at the tip with the blade with the tip of his fingers. It seems like the fun is about to begin. <laughs> All right, so we already okay, have a blooper perfect. reel. Oh, yeah. If my future wife is out there, just <laughs> hey, call me. She may be listening to this right <laughs> now. Yeah, exactly. Hello, and thank you for listening to the fast ten minutes of us rambling. Exactly. Except uh, any. I'm pouring one out for the McElroys right now. And by pouring one out, he means drinking one. Oh my gosh, this is okay. like herding cats. Can we stop? <laughs> <laughs> the DM uh, finds yeah. a way. Um... <laughs> Off the record, are you a Khajiit? No. Okay. That sounds very Khajiit-like. <laughs> I'm going. I'm going for that, like a combination of Khajiit and Inigo Montoya. Okay. So a Spanish Khajiit. He's he's right here playing some air guitar for us. Air looting. Yeah. Air looting for us. <laughs> I was I was just doing the Spanish hair flip and yeah, yeah. guitar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You also need to have that voice ready that you've been bragging about what this voice no please no. <laughs> no, no, please <laughs> just bringing in all the dnd tricks all of them all right he's he dropped his headphones and he's left the room bye <laughs> i don't actually know when this is happening in the timeline uh it's sometime in that period of seven years i would assume hey it's... not knowing the timeline never stop the legend of zelda writers exactly <laughs> so i'm this is going to have a broken timeline with at least three different branches depending on how you do how you fare uh anyway all right nintendo literally doesn't know they just make it up as they go along right exactly i'm definitely gonna be taking off my headphones for my interdict Introduction. <laughs> yeah. It's hard. Introduction. Interdiction. My interdiction. Interjection. Objection. Objection. <laughs> Overruled. <Accused>. Overruled. <laughs> you open the can of worms, you can lie in it. That's not how that is. <laughs> <the expression>. <laughs> <laughs> He's trying to do burn. The blending of idioms uh, is called a malaphor. Birds lie down in cans of worms? We can burn that bridge when we get to it. The early bird opens the can of worms? The early bird sleeps in the bed. That they lie in. (laughs) Something like that. A man, burly man. Wow. Okay. You know that. This is great. A deck of a ship in a deck of a ship and a man, burly man. (laughs) A burly man, burly man. Am I the only one drinking beer here, Jeremy? Are you sure? A manly, burly man. Okay. Ah. It's Gaston. The plot thickens. <laughs> oh, how am I not going to sing Gaston now? It's, it's not good. Oh, okay, fine. Restrain yourself, <laughs> What I was avoid for doesn't Oh, God. <laughs> Anyways. A man with tan skin... He's bald and with a band. Bada- 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 okay. With a what? <laughs> oh my gosh, I cannot talk during this one. I'm sorry. A banana. A banana. Oh my god. A banana headed man. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> hey, who's to say? I'm, this I'm is Dan's birthday. Anything, anything, anything could happen. It's D&D. Anything could happen. Oh, my um, gosh. There was okay. a Reddit post that was like... It's a, it was a 3D printed figure of like a banana. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Do you need assistance saying that word? Or are you just going to skip he's it? Like, he's not wearing anything anymore. The caption was slowly. like, create a race for this, and it was just a banana man. Well, Swashbuckler requires high charisma, and my charisma is six. <laughs> That's worse than my charisma, and I'm a half orc. Yes, I am surly. Actually, the tree stump one ups him because at least the tree stump doesn't talk. (laughs) I open my mouth and sad things come out. Yes. Um. All right. Yes, that's why I can't be a swashbuckler. I'm not talking about his conception. I'm talking about the the, like this. This. (laughs) Hey, we don't know that. Maybe that's how far back he goes. I have we're not one going all the way back. Yeah, yet. we're not we're not going all the way back. We're, we're, we're starting at what what matters for this campaign. Also, I figured uh, out how to uh, not hear yourself when we talk. I just hit that button. Problem solved. Oh my gosh, that would be so helpful. <laughs> it's still recording us, as far as I can tell. So yeah. All right. Well. Okay. Yeah, we're good. Too little, too late. <laughs> now we know. Uh, now we know. All right. Or this whole part is silent, and I'm not recording anything. But I I have. Uh, it looks like it's recording. Oh, we got a man down. <laughs> man down. Just what? smashed his funny bone right into the corner of the chair. Oh, oh no. no. Jan <laughs> Man down. We're all right. I didn't scream in pain and max out the mic, so <laughs> we're good. I, I mean, we would have edited. No, we totally would have chopped that up and, and like, placed <laughs> a sudden scream. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that sample, Josh. You're welcome. Yeah, like like the uh, beginning of the earthquake or when the captain ah! gets stabbed. Yeah. Ah! Yeah, exactly. That was recorded, by the way. We all know what your Wi-Fi password is. And for the love of the gods, please. Act dumb. We're not burning anything. Not that dumb. <laughs> Less dumb than that. Jake's character's name is um, something. Um, okay. Yakeg, yeah, that's never gonna stick. <laughs> that's, it'll, it'll, it'll take some time. There's no way any of that made it in. You don't know, I'm the one in charge of editing. <laughs> <laughs>